0: Well, I feel after Peter Vardy's prayer that I don't really need to say much else because that was like the epitome of God's love and what I have to share with you this morning. So thank you for that truth, Peter. Um, Can you believe that it's the 20th of December already? And lots of you are thinking absolutely because this year has been horrendous. Let 2020 be over and let it be over quickly. We don't need to recap on the news that has been all the headlines that have been all over the news and newspapers and news feeds to know that this year has been really tough, that each of us in our own ways have. We've struggled this year. We felt afraid. We felt lonely. We felt heartbroken. We felt in some ways robbed of experiences and of happiness. And at the end of 2020, well, we're done, we're all around weary and I know it might sound silly and I don't mean to overlook people's difficulties at all, but one thing that has cheered me up through all of this year's lockdowns and tears, tears one to four and literal tears in our home is love. And I'm not just saying that because today is our fourth topic of Advent and today's topic just happens to be love. But truly I'm a romantic love makes things better. Getting a wee text from a friend to say that they've matched with someone on Salt and have started a Zoom romance. Well, my day's made better. And a phone call to say a friend's got engaged. My day's made better. And the best of them all, flicking through Facebook and seeing two people in their back garden, in their jeans, getting married despite the circumstances. Because at the end of it all, love wins. Well, my day's just not made better. But my heart is fit to burst and. Last night we were sitting in our house. Actually, we weren't sitting. I was bathing the baby, and we got a phone call. Turn on the news. Turn on the news, and the baby gets whipped out of the bath. And we sit down and we watch the news. And again, more disappointment—not only from the baby who, like, loves to splash in the bath, but from David and I who had plans over Christmas that have all been cancelled. And as we were sitting as a family and thinking and praying last night, do you know, we just thought, thank goodness that we've got the Lord, because, you know we've just been hit with disappointment after disappointment and the news is rubbish, but the good news, the love story that I've got to share today, well, it doesn't disappoint. It never disappoints. And for that, we're going to plant ourselves in the book of Hosea, which is a book of the Bible in the old Testament. Um, if you haven't read Hosea before, I encourage you to do that when you go home. Um, but this book is what we call the minor Prophets, not because, Hosea was any less important than big Isaiah and big Jeremiah but physically it's quite a short book to get through and it was written about 750 years before Jesus was born and at that time those people weren't as fortunate as you and I where God can speak to us directly but God used prophets people like Hosea to speak on his behalf to the nation in this book of the Bible is even extra special because not only does God speak through Hosea, but he actually uses his life as an example, his life as a symbol of God's love, God's relationship with the Israelites at that time. And Hosea is speaking to the Northern Kingdom of Israel who are under the rule of a king called Jeroboam, who's so successful in lots of ways, but he's spiritually very bankrupt and under his rule, the land and the people are broken. They're worshiping everything and anything. They're worshiping Baal, fertility gods. There's lots and lots of sin. And our God, the one true God, doesn't get a look in. It says in Hosea four, verses one to two, there's no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. There's only cursing, lying and murder stealing and adultery. They break all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Merry Christmas, everyone. It's so cheery, Um, but I just wanted to read that out because is that not our land today? Do you know people look at the Bible and they think it's old and dusty and only relevant for for people 3000 years ago, but actually it's completely for us. So open your ears today, open your heart and get ready to receive from God. So we'll begin. and. Hosea 1 verses 2 God says to Hosea go and marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her for like an adulterous wife this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord sorry what I thought this was supposed to be a nice love story go and marry a promiscuous woman no you see I don't understand because I'm a prophet, I've been chosen to speak on God's behalf and I've been waiting quite a while for a wife, a pure wife, a good looking wife and will have turned down quite a lot of people with potential, go and marry a promiscuous woman. Do you think I'm daft? But I suppose on the other hand, I trust you, Lord. I've always trusted you. And Hosea goes and he marries Gomer. He enters into a binding promise with a lady he knows has been unfaithful in the past. And please don't be offended, but some translations of the Bible are a bit more graphic. They don't just say promiscuous woman, but they say harlot, a wife of whoredom or even prostitute. And still, despite this, he marries her. He enters into a covenant, a promise of faithful marriage with a woman he knows has been unfaithful in the past. It's hundred percent bonkers. and the scripture goes on to tell us that they have three children together, and things are good. But at times, Hosea looks at his sons and his daughter, and he thinks, "Are you really mine? I love my wife, but at times I've seen her will sneak out of the house and." Is it possible that maybe no, no, no. And he puts these thoughts to the back of his head. But then one day Hosea comes home and Gomer's not there. Gomer. No, no Gomer in the living room. Gomer. No, she's not in the kitchen. Gomer. No, she's not not upstairs. She's maybe out getting some green and he goes about his normal routine. And he waits and it gets dark outside and he still waits and he wakes up in the morning and she's not next to him in bed and he goes about his normal routine again and when he comes home Gomer no she's not in the living room Gomer and she's not in the kitchen and he searches upstairs and she's not there either and he knows He knows deep inside his heart where she is and he weeps the woman he's come to love is gone and he hears rumors about the village of where he is and he closes his ears and he shuts his eyes and he looks the other way and his heart feels jealous. It feels angry and the weeks pass and Jose hears God again. Go and show your love to your wife again, though she's loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods. You must be absolutely joking. No way that I've been humiliated. I've been hurt, and she'll just do it again. I can't Go and show your love to your wife again. But Lord, go and show your love to your wife again, though she's loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as I, the Lord, love the Israelites, though they turn to other gods. Can you even begin to imagine how Hosea is feeling? But he puts on his coat, he obeys God. And he begins to look for his wife. Gomer! He calls out, Gomer! And people are looking at him. They're whispering. There's been rumors, you see. This prophet, this holy guy, is out looking for his wife. And men are avoiding eye contact with him because, well, they know where she is. No, sorry, buddy, I haven't seen her, they'll say. But they have seen her on the street corner. Gomer, he calls, he searches, he seeks, he won't stop. He calls, he searches, he seeks, he won't stop. And he gathers a bit of information here and another bit there. He searches, he seeks, he won't stop. And he gets an address and down a dingy alley into a back street, into the darkness. A pure man, a man filled with light into the darkness. And there she is. And you know what? He looks at her and his heart is so full of love. She's thinner than before and more fragile. And he puts out his hand to touch her and she pulls away. She can't look at him in the eye. The way she slumps is full of shame. But still, he looks at her and his heart is full of love. She can't believe that after all that she's done, he's come to find her. She feels riddled with guilt, unworthy, unlovable. But he looks at her and his heart is full of love. How much, how much, how much for her to be free? And with 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley, Hosea buys his wife back. What way is he feeling is he sure that she'll never do it again well he looks at her and his heart is bursting with love and church this is the point the take-home message for today though when god looks at you his heart is full of love it's the reason that he made you so he could love you so he could pour his love upon you and have a relationship with you You see in this story god is hosea and the israelites and we are gomer in the very beginning god loved us he made man in his image and talked with him in the garden a perfect relationship but adam and eve they sinned they failed god they ate fruit of the tree of knowledge the one thing that god said that they couldn't have because naturally as humans with free will we always think that we know better right They broke this relationship with God, their ability to walk and talk with him freely. But even though they broke the relationship, God still loved them. They're his creation. So right from the beginning of the Bible, this is the love story. God has been trying to get his people back. God's trying to get us back. And at the beginning of this story, just like Hosea entered into a marriage, a covenant, a binding promise with Gomer, one that should been unfaithful in the past. Well, this is what we see in the Old Testament. God enters into a covenant, a binding promise with Abraham, despite his and the Israelites sin, a way to try and fix their broken relationship. And in Genesis 17, it tells us about this covenant, this binding promise. It says, God will make Abraham a father of many descendants, a successful nation where Kings come from with a special land to live in, in exchange for the Israelites obeying God and keeping his commandments. Sounds lovely. It sounds easy, an easy way to fix a broken relationship between God and his people if both sides keep their bit. But just like Gomer ran away from the perfect love she received from Hosea. That's what the Israelites do. They run away from the perfect love they receive from God, breaking their covenant, thinking that they knew better. They couldn't keep their bit. They couldn't obey God. They couldn't keep His commandments. They worship man made idols. They pray to fertility gods. They go after things that they think will satisfy them and give them meaning over and over and over and over and so many overs again. They say they're sorry. They make a sacrifice. And again, they run after more idols. And God is jealous. But every time He forgives them. He calls them back a constant, constant cycle until God says, No, enough. Enough's enough. I want my people back. This obviously isn't working. The laws and the sacrifices that we see through the Old Testament. Well, the people just can't keep their side of the bargain. And just like Hosea paid a price to pull Gomer out of the darkness. God pays the ultimate price to pull us out of the darkness. It says in John 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't it amazing? For God so loved the world. For God so loved me, tiny Shannon Crawford. For God so loved you sitting at home. For God so loved everyone in this room that he gave us the best Christmas present, the thing that we wait for in Advent, the coming of Jesus. And he lived a sinless life on earth. He healed the sick, he provided food, he did miracles, he loved, he loved the widow, he loved the orphan, he loved the unlovable. And then he went and he died for us. It's bonkers when you read it, it's crazy. It's a crazy plan, but a true plan to finally restore our relationship with God a new covenant, a new promise. I love you. You're mine. That's why I created you. I want to be in relationship with you. No more laws, no more sacrifices. My son has paid the ultimate price and died for you on the cross. Believe in him. Our relationship can be restored. Your sins are forgiven. I don't even remember them. I want to give you life in abundance if you just let me. And there's so much that we can learn from this beautiful, beautiful love story, better than any salt match, eh? But firstly, this, God's love is jealous, but surely not because jealousy is a sin. And it says in Corinthians, love is patient, love is kind. It is not jealous. And this jealousy is a sin when us humans, envy when we want something that isn't ours, like wanting Kelly's skirts every week. No Shannon, it's sinful, stop it. But you can imagine Hosea would be heartbroken when his wife Gomer receives love from other men. His anger and his jealousy would be righteous because when they got married, they made a covenant to become one flesh. They were the same person. And God's jealousy over us and who or what we give ourselves away to is righteous. God is jealous of something that actually belongs to him, the glory and the affection of his people. And God feels when we deny him of that. Imagine this massive God of the universe feels when we deny him of love. Because God isn't happy to see you settle, to see you compromise for a love that is never going to satisfy. He can't just sit and watch as you replace his love with idols without feeling. God feels. I, the Lord, your God, I'm a jealous God. It says in Exodus 20, verse five. They made me jealous by what is no God and angered me with their worthless idols. It says in Deuteronomy 32, 21. How long, Lord, will you be angry forever? How long will your jealousy burn like fire? Psalm 79, five. And church, can I ask you and myself today kindly What are you replacing God's love with right now? What is taking number one place in your heart? Because when we replace God's love for a right move addiction, the love of home furnishings, people's affirmation on social media, media, new clothes, a new spouse, a longing for a child, a new sports PB outdoor pursuits. When we worship the created thing and not the creator. But God feels that firstly, his love is jealous. And secondly, God's love is active. This year, I know we've said it like so many times, but it's been so difficult. It's been so tricky. And you might have suffered physically, mentally, financially, emotionally, and that whatever that is, it could have put a barrier between you and God. You've maybe cursed God for unanswered prayers. You've maybe denied his existence. You've maybe been so deep in a depression that you can't talk to God, that you can't reach out to his people. You've maybe been lonely and decided to seek acceptance elsewhere. You felt unworthy, completely unworthy of this love that I'm talking about. Barriers, all of them are barriers. And the good news is that this is not new to God. Gomer's promiscuity puts a barrier between her and her husband. But what does Hosea do under God's instruction? He goes into the darkness and he buys her back. Because of his love for his wife, he was obedient to act. And because of God's love for us, his son Jesus was obedient to act. It says in Luke 19.10, the son of man came to seek. And save the lost. This is who our God is, not whoever you've imagined him to be. Our God is an active God, a God on a mission to seek and save the lost. Praise God. He loves you, He sees your brokenness, He hears your prayers, and it is not His desire to leave you the way you are. God isn't just sitting on a throne waiting for you to pick yourself up, to shake yourself off, to get yourself right before you come to him. No, his love is active. Not only did he send Jesus into the darkness to save us from our sins, but right now he's given us the Holy Spirit, an amazing helper to be with us in the midst of our darkness. He's ready to pick us up because God came to seek and save the lost. It's amazing. And while I was going over this last night and praying, God, give me a scripture to just read. Um, And you've probably heard it over and over again, but I really think someone here this morning, tonight in the future needs to hear it. Psalm 139. Oh, Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, Discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I can't detain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? O, oh, where shall I flee from your presence? God sees you this morning. He knows all about you. Whatever you're trying to hide from him, he already sees it. And later in this verse, it's amazing. It says in verse 12, even the darkness is not dark for for you. So whatever darkness you have this morning, not only does God see it, but it's not dark to him. Amen. And thirdly, God's love requires a response. After paying for a price, after paying a price for Gomer, it says in Hosea three, verse three. Then I told her, you're to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will behave the same way towards you. Gomer has a part to play in return. She needs to love back. And church, we have our part to play. Let God come in. Let him restore your relationship. Let him love you. Let his kindness lead you to repentance. Would you love him back today? And we say it every week. How do we respond to this God that loves us? And that leads us to our challenges. Firstly, this week, love him back. It's simple but take time aside today or tomorrow to tell God that you love him. We have a wee son, he's nine months old. And the other day I was pushing the buggy down Great Western Road. And I tell him probably about 50 plus times, I love you, I love you, Rory, I love you, Rory. And I just had this thought, I wonder what it feels like when he actually says, I love you, mummy." back. And you know what, it actually brought a tear to my eye. Now it doesn't really take much, but I was almost crying pushing the buggy down Great Western Road. And just think today when you're telling God that you love him. How does he feel when his children tell him that he loves him? I'll just start. So I better not think about it too much. And secondly, share the love. If you're feeling right with God, share this love with people that don't know him. Write a card or a letter to someone that doesn't know him. And as Brian would say, this one's not on the screen, but you can have it for free. If you think someone would really want to know and explore God's, God's love more, please sign up for Alpha. Alpha at rehope.co.uk. My husband will be there and he's really funny. So um, that would be a good encouragement to come. Okay, and then everybody, shall we just pray? Thank you. Lord, whatever way we're feeling today, we thank you that your word is true. God, it's on feeling, it doesn't disappoint. And I just pray God, this word over our lives today, we thank you for your love. You thank you that you love us no matter how we feel towards you. You love us no matter if we love you back or not. You love us no matter what darkness that we're in. And God, you're that close to us that you know, you know everything that's going on. Lord, i just pray that you help us feel that love today you help help us god just know this as our reality in your wonderful son's name amen